The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces and their families who are tuning in from remote locations around the world. And I also want to welcome listeners who are joining us on new affiliates in Florida, New York, Texas, Washington, Idaho, and California, including our friends who are tuning in from the pristine shores of Hawaii. In just a moment, co-founder and executive editor of the Weekly Standard, Mr. Fred Barnes, will be joining the program to help us get a better picture of which segments of the voting population the 2016 candidates are successfully appealing to. And we'll also find out how the next partisan standoff over the president's Supreme Court nominee might affect the race for the Oval Office. But before Mr. Barnes joins us, as is my custom each week... Let me tell you a little about his background. Frederick Wood Barnes is a graduate of the University of Virginia and was a Neiman Fellow at Harvard University. His journalism career started with the Charleston News and Courier, after which in 1979 he joined the Washington Star, where he was assigned to cover the Supreme Court and White House. From here, Barnes moved to the Baltimore Sun as a national political correspondent. And by 1985, Mr. Barnes found himself working as senior editor and Washington correspondent for the New Republic. And if Barnes' political coverage didn't grab your attention in print, then you may recall his keen insights on television programs such as the McLaughlin Group, the Beltway Boys, or as a regular commentator on Fox News. In 1995, Barnes co-founded the Weekly Standard, where he presently serves as executive editor. And I would be remiss if I did not add that somehow, in between all of this activity, Barnes found time to pen a best-selling biographical account of President Bush titled Rebel in Chief. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a journalist whose insights are, according to Media Guide, exquisitely timed, Mr. Fred Barnes. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Barnes. Well, Rebecca, thanks for inviting me. Glad to be here. If it's okay with you, I I thought maybe we'd open today's program by trying to understand why folks like Romney and Kasich are calling for an open GOP convention and whether the Republican Party is going to be better served with an open convention than if one candidate secures enough delegates to uh, take the nomination. Well, you call for an open convention when you're losing the nomination and somebody else is about to win it. Uh, that's, that's why you do it. It's the only reason it's not, you're not doing it for some philosophical reason that you want more debate and talk and so on. Um, so it's, uh, You sound like you have a friend there. Well, I have several of them. <laughs> we have three dogs here at the moment, not all ours. A couple are, are my daughters. But, you know, we heard about an open convention in 1980, when uh, Senator Edward Kennedy was running against President Jimmy Carter, and and Kennedy was losing, so naturally he wanted an open convention that somehow the people uh, who were pledged to Carter might change their mind and so on. Well, it never happens. And uh, the only way to have an open convention is to defeat uh, uh, the front runner, uh, the uh, the person who's about to win the nomination, uh, and uh, and you do that in the primaries and the caucuses. Now, right now, of course, Donald Trump is well ahead, uh, but who's ever, whether it's Ted Cruz or John Kasich, they're going to have to really uh, defeat him in a way that he hasn't been before uh, to prevent him from winning the nomination, you know, even if he comes in just short of um, a majority of delegates, they'll be able to uh, uh, pick up uh, the ones he needs uh, ahead of time and 
in July, we will have a convention that nominates Donald Trump for the Republican nomination and not an open convention where they uh, they fight over the nomination on the floor of the convention. Well, you make a good point. As of today, Donald Trump has received 673 of the 1,237 delegates needed to win the nomination. So let's say roughly half. Cruz Mm -hmm. is second with 411. But what's really interesting is if you combine the delegates garnered by Cruz, Rubio, and Kasich, uh, which would total about 723 combined. It almost seems like uh, Cruz and Kasich would have to combine forces and get Rubio's supporters in order to stop Trump, and it really doesn't look like that's likely. Well, it's not likely at all. And uh, and Trump, if he doesn't get to 1237 uh, by July, when the convention opens in Cleveland, he'll uh, be awfully close to it. And so He's not. Uh, he hasn't locked it up, but he's certainly uh, in by far the best position. And I think it's uh, it's fair to assume that his uh, uh, chances of winning the nomination are very, very good. So, what happens if he's just shy? Well, if he's just shy and just needs a few more delegates, he can probably bargain for them. I mean, look, he brags of being uh, such a great negotiator and deal maker, <laughs> and I think he can pick up. Uh, uh, some of the unpledged delegates, and there'll be some there. You know, a couple of states actually send unpledged unpledged delegates. In other words, they're not uh, required in the first or second round of voting uh, to uh, stick with a particular candidate. I think North Dakota sends uh, unpledged delegates. Another state does. And then there's, and then there are the members of the Republican National Committee, 160 or so of them, who are also unpledged delegates. So uh, there'll be plenty of uh, maneuvering for him to do if he's close. Um, you know, a, a dozen or a few dozen uh, a delegates short, uh, I think he would be able to pick them up uh, by by deal-making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what do you say to uh, conservative pundits that say that the GOP is between a rock and a hard place this year? They say if they usurp Trump, it's going to look like the game's wired and that mm-hmm. the party doesn't care about the wishes of those who voted in the primaries. And they also worry that Trump may claim he wasn't treated fairly and mm-hmm. use that as an excuse to run as a third party candidate. Whereas if they do choose him as their nominee, Clinton beats Trump in virtually every national poll, I think, except for one by five to 13 points. Uh, we're mm-hmm. still months out from the national election, but it, it, it isn't looking good if, if Trump makes it. No, it doesn't look good at all. He has high negatives. Uh, there are groups of people that uh, he does very poorly uh, among. In polls, you see he does very poorly with uh, suburban women, which who, who are an important block, with Hispanics, uh, with other uh, immigrant groups, uh, with African Americans, and so on. Uh, so uh, he needs, look, what needs to happen is Trump needs to uh, follow up uh, in seeking party unity. Now, he seems to think at the moment that party unity means, well, everybody just come and line up behind me. That's not quite the way it works. I mean, he has to act on his own to do things that will make uh, uh, other Republicans, particularly conservatives, want to unify with him. Uh, and that means, look, he's not going to abandon his, his view about uh, uh, immigration. He's opposed to illegal immigration, and I think to most of legal immigration at the moment, he's not going to change his view of on trade agreements that he thinks uh, have not been good. I don't think he's going to change his view on entitlement reform or any cuts in Social Security and Medicare. Uh, he's pretty firm on that. But there are lots of other things that he can change. And the primary one, Rebecca, I think is foreign and national security policy. Uh, policy. That has really alienated a chunk the, uh, of the Republican Party, and particularly this uh, class of uh, national security experts, uh, many of whom I know, many of whom I respect, uh, with his uh, really uh, uh, unusual comments, Trump's unusual comments about what a great guy Vladimir Putin is and, uh, and, uh, and how he will, uh, he's in favor of, uh, <laughs> of torture of uh, 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 any um, uh, terrorists who were caught, and on and on and on, is that he's um, uh, merely wants to be neutral between Israel and the Palestinians, though Israel has is a great ally of the United States. 
um, and on and on. There have been so many things he said in the foreign and national security policy area that uh, he needs to uh, he needs to come to grips with, and uh, and I think in a number of cases refine or change his views if he's going to unify the Republican Party. Right. Well, hopefully a lot of that will have to do with who he suggests might be cabinet members and, uh, you know, bringing and vice on. vice president. Yeah, exactly. Who is the vice presidential candidate and who? what experts in national security is he going to bring on his staff? Now, we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back after this short intermission. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and -and drag-and-drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at tableau.com slash Costa. That's tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau software. What's your data trying to tell you? Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say. Anna Russell, I love Caraccioli wine because I love the San Lucia Highlands, and I think this is a particularly great representation of what SLH can do that's different, um, using the most common grapes, Pinot and, and Chardonnay, and making something really beautiful and different in the area. I love the wine, so I always come back to almost every one of their events. My name is Jenny Franklin. I like it because it's very flavorful. It just is a good pinot. Goes down without touching any sides. It's very good. Cole Lovelace. I really like the Brut Rosé. I like the older varietals too. I think it's just the way they manufacture it, the way that it uh, they produce it is old world style and I enjoy that. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. Are things getting a little messy around the office? At Coast Paper and Supply, we'll meet all your janitorial needs. Mops, dusters, disinfectants, we got them. Can't get rid of that smell in the break room? Try our deodorizer. Carpet stains? We have a cure for that, too. While you're at it, pick up the essentials. Garbage cans and liners, sponges and brooms. Is your company going green? Coast Paper and Supply is offering earth-friendly cleaning and food service alternatives. Our ever-evolving stock includes compostable bowls, plates, cups, and cutlery. Not to mention eco-friendly cleaners and biodegradable trash can liners, all at the lowest possible price. So come visit Coast Paper and Supply at 151 Josephine Street or look us up at coastpapersupplyinc.com. You can also call us at 831-423-3350. That's 831-423-3350. You know, we all suffer at times from lack of money. You wonder where your money's coming from, so you have to kind of have a budget crunch and you have to stop getting perks and you have to start slashing salaries. Well, that's what's happened to the Islamic State, damn it. It's having their slashing salaries across the region and apparently they're now using dollars to pay their utility bills and the releasing price for a detainee is now down to $500 a person. That's without a coupon. Come on down to the ISIS liquidation sale. We're slashing prices and heads. Buy one hostage and get the second one free while it lasts. So they pay for power? Yes. Like yes. electricity? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I never would have thought that. Yeah. Who provides power to ISIS? That's a very good question. I would not want to be on that meter eating duty. No, me neither. Good morning, Monterey Bay, 69 a.m. on KSCO AM 1080.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is co-founder and executive editor of the Weekly Standard and best-selling author, Mr. Fred Barnes. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that if Trump is going to unify the Republican Party, he will have to adjust his views on national security, which have largely alienated experts across the board. And I'd also add to that, he'd have to soften some of his statements on immigration, such as instead of singling out the um, pausing the immigration of Muslims, uh, as Ann Coulter has pointed out, why not just pause immigration across the board for a short period of time until a national policy can be put in place? What, what would you think of that? Uh, well, I wouldn't be in favor of it. Um, I think you're right, though, that uh, Donald Trump does need to soften his uh, position on, on immigration. Uh, now, he's not going to want to say that uh, uh, he's switched and he's now opposed to a deportation of 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States. But I think everybody knows that that's almost an, an impossible task, that it would rip the country apart. And any president, once he's in the White House, is not going to be, is going to see that as something that would be harmful and not feasible at all. Now, a wall? Uh, I think that's become uh, a Republican Party policy now, that some sort of a wall or fence is going to have to be built along the entire southwest border. Um, and Trump's insistence on that is, has had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. On trade agreements, um, you know, the Republicans have been a free trade party in the, uh, in, in the past, but uh, I just think if Trump wins uh, the nomination, they're gonna, uh, the party will have to yield on that and, and yield to Trump. You know, it's interesting about something like entitlement reform and, and uh, on Social Security and Medicare that Trump is against. But um, it, this is something that is very important to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Even if Trump's president and Republicans hold Congress, uh, um, uh, people like Paul Ryan will still play an important role. So they no doubt will push for some things like entitlement reform that uh, Trump may not be for. And, and that's when you negotiate. Yes. Uh, And, you know, according to Trump, he uh, is a good negotiator. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. become sort of a cornerstone of his campaign. Now, there are quite a few events which could shake up the election this year, uh, beginning with this email investigation, which Mm -hmm. could go either way. Uh, It could just turn into a slap on the wrist or turn into a full out indictment. Uh, But since primary voters are already aware of the scandal and the possibility it could become an indictment. It doesn't seem like it would affect Clinton supporters, even if the worst came to pass. Or am I looking at this the wrong way? No, I think, uh, Rebecca, you're looking at it exactly the right way. Obviously, a majority of Democrats, uh, and we've seen this from how they're voting in the primaries in favor of Hillary Clinton, they don't care about the the whole uh, scandal about her email and uh, and the uh, uh, allowing of uh, emails with... uh, national security information and secret uh and being stamped secret or top secret um and and put on a non-secure uh email system well let me ask Uh, you who does care about it (laughs) well i'm trying to figure out who cares well there are a lot of people i mean some republicans care people who know anything about national security care people in the uh in the defense community care uh, and uh, and it can be it's not a big issue at all. Although, as I I think you were pointing out uh, in the Democratic primaries, I mean it, it it's not something that has been used by uh, Bernie Sanders against Hillary. I think mainly because he figures that most of these Democratic voters don't care about it, uh, even though almost everything that Hillary Clinton has said is wrong. You know, she says. Oh, the the, the uh, FBI and the Justice Department are just conducting a security review. The mm. FBI, in truth, does not do security reviews. No, it's the an FBI investigation. Does criminal investigation. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's an investigation. It's not a review. But you know, mm-hmm. you can parse your words, as you know, in <laughs> any number of ways to minimize or maximize the impact. And uh, indeed, and uh, you know, I, I think certain politicians are very skilled at minimizing <laughs> the repercussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about the Supreme Court seat left open by Justice right. Scalia. The president has submitted his uh, recommendation. Now, what do you think happens? Well, now the pressure. Uh, uh, increases on Republicans to back down from uh, their decision not to consider a Supreme Court justice in this last year 
of Obama's presidency, uh, which has been the case. You know, presidents have not been able to get uh, uh, Supreme Court nominees passed or even uh, nominate them in the first place in the last year in office. Uh, but Obama's trying, and he's stirring up a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on Republicans, particularly on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And I'll have to say, uh, by choosing uh, the man he has, a, a somewhat not a an open uh, and and full blown liberal uh, uh, as his nominee, uh, it, it's added to the pressure on Republicans. You know, it really comes down to one person. Uh, and that is uh, 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 Mitch McConnell. If Mitch McConnell wants to uh, block this, and, I, and he obviously does, and the entire Republican Party is behind him at this point, uh, then we won't uh, have a, a nominee confirmed uh, or even uh, appear before hearings of the Judiciary Committee this year. But, uh, boy, the, I mean, the heat is on at the moment. Uh, from the White House and the media. I mean, the, if you read the Washington Post, as I do every morning, uh, among other newspapers, you see, I mean, it's a huge banner headline that the president picks nominee, and uh, they act like it's uh, it's something that, of course, they're going to have to have hearings and have a vote on the nominee, and uh, when uh, that as things stand now, that's not the case. And let me add one thing, Rebecca. If the, if the roles were reversed... If Democrats were in the position that Republicans are in now, they would be doing the same thing. They'd be telling the Republican president, you can't have a Supreme Court nomination uh, in your last year of office. Same thing. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the hypocrisy of Obama's position is pretty clear, but uh, he's going ahead with it. I don't have to say so far uh, he really has increased the pressure on Republicans. Now, I don't know if my opinion is shaped by being a mom who's had kids that used to bicker in the back seat of the car, and I used to have to referee. Maybe a lot of political opinions I have are shaped by that. But, you know, I don't really care who nominates. I mean, the who doesn't, shouldn't matter. Let, let's, I mean, why not, why not take the high ground and say, we will vet out any uh, Supreme Court um, nominee the same way that we would vet it out if uh, if a Republican president had nominated. I mean, just you know, go through the vetting process, look at their well, record. Uh, why well, do, why well, does that hurt anybody? Well, it uh, well it, it would hurt Republican chances of actually blocking some nominee that they found uh, uh, that they didn't like. We know from Obama he's not going to name some conservative. He's not going to name another version of. Of, uh, uh, no, but Merrick the, the, Garland, he's been in the D.C. circuit for 19 mm-hmm. years, and I mean, yep. he was backed by some pretty heavy-duty Republican uh, senators and, and uh, representatives at the time that uh, he was confirmed for the D.C. circuit. That's going to you know, be hard to back out of that, isn't it? No, it's not going to be hard at all. It's <laughs> quite different backing somebody for the D.C. circuit and then supporting him for the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, well, I mean, good all these, point. A lot of Democrats back Clarence Thomas for the, C, <laughs> for the D.C. Circuit, but good not point. when he was nominated for the Supreme Court. All right, we're going to take another quick commercial break. Stay, stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Fred Barnes. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. 
Santa Cruz Plumbing is in the business of your business. A local company serving the Central Coast for over a decade. Santa Cruz Plumbing installs and repairs all kinds of plumbing. Leak repairs, drain cleaning, and tankless and regular water heaters. Residential or commercial, Santa Cruz Plumbing has you covered. Santa Cruz Plumbing works with honesty and integrity. Santa Cruz Plumbing, call 425-1131. That's 425-1131. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Pharmacy students are taught that the ubiquitous RX prescription symbol refers to the Latin designation to take. But as it turns out, there's another more mysterious and occult tradition associated with the well-known sigil that derives from the religion of ancient Egypt. The Egyptians regarded Horus as the father of medicine. Horus, it is said, was the son of two primary Egyptian deities, Osiris and Isis. He was also the avenger of his father's death at the hands of Osiris' brother, the wicked Uncle Set, with whom he did battle, losing his left eye in the fight. Thoth, the patron deity of physicians and scientists, magically healed the eye and gave it back to Horus, who then used it as a remedy to restore his father Osiris to the world of the living. Thus began the legend of the Eye of Horus, which initially referenced Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. Over time, it was linked to the sun, and from there it was a short leap to connecting the eye to light and sight, and later it became a powerful marker representing healing and rebirth. Egyptians referred to the eye with the term wejat, meaning whole or health, and they associated the symbol with protection, prosperity, and abundance. And, of course, it shows up in modern culture in Freemasonry's all-seeing eye, So what's this got to do with pharmacy? Well, as it turns out, the Eye of Horus bears an interesting resemblance to the Latin designation Rx. While pharmacy students learn that it's a mere directive to the patient, there are those who believe it's actually an acknowledgement of the historical and occult foundations of the ancient practice of pharmacy. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos too at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. It's always open house at the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, and you are always invited to walk right in and join the discussion. Hello, I am Mike Young, and I love talking real estate with all the experts and with you. So get a jump on the Real Estate Weekend every Friday, 7 p.m. on the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, right here on Listen and Be Heard Radio KSCO. The Mike Young Real Estate Hour is brought to you by Thunderbird Real Estate, Real People Selling Real Estate, by Rick Williams at American Pacific Mortgage, and by Steve Manville at Farmers Insurance. Friday at 7. See you then. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is co-founder and executive editor of The Weekly Standard, Fred Barnes. And when we ended the last segment, we were talking about whether the president's nominee to fill Justice Scalia's seat on the Supreme Court should be vetted. And uh, we had to take a hard break, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish your thoughts on Merrick Garland. Well, Merrick Garland is certainly not the... Uh, as liberal as uh, the four liberals on the court at the moment. Yes. Uh, let's see how many of them. Well, two of them anyway, uh, uh, nominated by uh, by President Obama. The reason Republicans don't want to even uh, consider him is because once there's actually a person there, it will make it harder to block him. Uh, there may be Republican defections, uh, and they have decided that the easiest way is just to have a blanket uh, policy. We will not consider any nomination. Now, look, the pressure's on, though. I mean, Garland is uh, more attractive than uh, uh, some very liberal uh, jurist, uh, say, particularly from the Ninth Circuit in California. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but I think uh, as of now, uh, they're going to stick with that uh, that notion of we're just not going to consider anybody, and and we'll see whether they can continue that. Obviously, it's going to be an issue in the in the presidential campaign. Repub- the Republican the response is, of course, that let the people decide. Let the election that comes on in November let that be uh, where. Uh, 
whether a Democratic or a Republican president will uh, name a replacement for Nino Scalia, the, the Supreme Court justice, very conservative, who died a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, Trump says it wasn't very smart for McConnell to come out and say that uh, they wouldn't consider any of the president's nominees. Mm-hmm. He says the smarter thing to do is just, and I'll quote him on this, delay, delay, delay. Mm-hmm. And that seemed, I think, I thought that was right. I think this is sort of a uh, PR disaster. Well, well uh, uh, polls don't show that. it uh, So far, anyway, and this can change. Uh, polls, after all, are very fickle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, but right now it shows it's pretty evenly divided between consider the nominee and uh, have hearings and a vote on whether to confirm or not or stick with the Republican policy of just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Obviously, President Obama thinks by naming someone and having a face out there, uh, Merrick Garland, that that's going to uh, change the equation in polling, and it might. Uh, we'll see how uh, how firm uh, Mitch McConnell in, in, in particular stands. If his, uh, look, if his uh, folks in the Senate, uh, the uh, the uh, Senate caucus uh, starts tipping uh, against from McConnell, well, he'll have to yield. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, if it's okay, I'd like to turn our attention to two of the issues that Americans claim are at the very top of their list when Mm -hmm. deciding who'll be the next leader of the free world, and that's security and the economy. So Mm -hmm. let's start with security first. Uh, We talked about this just uh, a little while ago. The nuclear agreement with Iran uh, did not address their ballistic missile program. Uh, it focused on the production of nuclear mm-hmm. materials and weapons. And many leaders, such as Netanyahu, feel this was a serious mistake because there's only one reason for ballistic missile development, and that happens sure. to be to carry a nuclear mm-hmm. payload. So strictly from this vantage point, is the agreement likely to be amended or renegotiated by the next president? Uh, no, I think not for the simple reason that the Iranians will refuse to renegotiate. And, uh, and, the, and the treaty, and besides, uh, if you listen to the candidates, you know, I'm not exactly sure what Trump has said, but when you hear from Ted Cruz, for instance, or others, they're going to tear it up on the first day. Uh, so there won't be an agreement. Remember, it's not a treaty. It hasn't been ratified by Congress. It's an executive agreement. And it's something that the next president can uh, uh, just drop completely. But getting the Iranians to renegotiate it, I think, is... Uh, uh, going to be impossible. So uh, uh, we're either stuck with it or uh, we have to trash it. I have to say that I'm in favor of having it ripped up uh, only mm-hmm. because I don't like the idea of the executive office turning something that should have been a treaty into something mm-hmm. and reclassifying it as a, an agreement. I, I think that was just overstepping the office. What do you say? Well, I think it was too, but unfortunately there was no way that Republicans uh, could change that uh, because any attempt that they would make to do that would either be filibustered as uh, a a vote on the treaty was uh, filibustered by Democrats or if it got to the president, it could be vetoed by him. So there was no way uh, for Republicans to change it, uh, but uh, obviously Obama. Uh, knew what he was doing. If he made it a treaty, uh, it would not have been ratified by the Senate. That's right. But I think that we've now created precedents where you don't have to call a thing a treaty. You can call it an agreement and yes. bypass congressional approval. And that well, really worries me. That that particular well, principle worries me. Well, that worries me, too. And uh, But, the, uh, you know, the president in this case and in the other executive agreements that he's uh, handed out, uh, they are they are weaker and they are vulnerable in ways that a treaty's not, or a piece of legislation is not. Uh, what the president has done on immigration and allowing the, what five million illegal immigrants in the United States to, or at least he's attempted to by executive agreement, allow them to stay in the United States without any threat of deportation. Uh, that uh, it, it is a pretty sweeping step that would normally you'd think changing. The immigration law to that extent would require legislation by Congress. Well, the president's done it by executive agreement. It's now been at least uh, halted in the courts, and we don't know the final verdict. But, uh, you know, President, uh, this is, uh, president Obama doesn't like to negotiate. He doesn't like to sit down with Republicans. He'd rather blame them and do things by executive agreement. But 
all of those executive agreements can be wiped out by uh, a sweep of the pen by the next president, if it's a Republican. And some of them, I'm trying to think who has said, but anyway, a number of the candidates have said that they will uh, abrogate every one of the president's executive agreements. Yeah, I think Cruz has been at the pretty much at the head of the pack that he would do yes. that the first 100 days. Mm-hmm. Now, during the primary debates, we haven't heard very much about troop-level commitments necessary to defeat ISIS in Iraq, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Syria, Libya, and elsewhere. Uh, yet we have the most experienced generals in the world telling our leaders that ISIS cannot be put down without a ground offensive. So who among the candidates seems to have the best plan to deal with ISIS. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, Trump doesn't seem to uh, be strong on uh, national security in a way that he could be in agreement with our experts in the military. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid you're right. The, uh, I mean, one of the things Trump says is, well, we're going to seize the oil fields uh, that have been <laughs> uh, taken over by ISIS. Well, you can't do that from the air. You know, you need to have some uh, uh, troops uh, uh, to go in there and actually seize them. Uh, but Trump uh, has, not, uh, <laughs> has not conceded that point. Uh, I think the, uh, the one with the strongest uh, position and willing to you know, send in 10,000 troops or so if necessary was Marco Rubio. Well, as of Tuesday evening, <laughs> Marco Rubio was dropped out of the presidential race, and so his influence has certainly shrunk. Um, look, this is an issue that's going to be that has been avoided by some of the candidates like Trump. They've the all primaries. avoided it. They can't and, avoid and you it in cannot, the general election. You cannot avoid this, and you cannot avoid this uh, in terms of uh, curtailing ISIS's momentum. Absolutely, we don't have the, a general uh, in the country that says that you can do this without a ground war. And of course, and and that's pretty obvious that you can. I mean, how are you? How are you? It's one thing to bomb ISIS, and they, uh, and, and that's fine. But how has any territory been taken back from ISIS? And some has. Meanwhile, ISIS has expanded in other areas like Libya. Uh, but when it's been taken back, it's been taken back by military forces, the Kurds or even the Iraqi army on on several occasions. You can't do it from the air. Uh, it, it's going to have to be troops. And, and the fact is, uh, as, I know, as I'm sure you know, Rebecca, there are no troops as effective as American troops. Yes. We have the best army in the world. And, and uh, well, that's so, a t- But that's a touchy subject with American voters, as we all very. know. So there's a reason the candidates have been sidestepping that issue. We have to take our last break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back after these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of their tasting room. We caught up with Scott Caraccioli, who told us a little about Caraccioli's quick rise to success. I'm very excited and very um, proud to be here sharing our wines with some of our wine family and our biggest supporters over the last five years. It's been an amazing ride, quickest five years of my life, and it's been a real joy to share our family's passion with a lot of our closest friends. I'm a full believer in it being a real experience, not just juice in a bottle. And I think when you come in the door of the tasting room, the experience that you have with the staff and the aesthetics, the wine and all the way down, that's what we really try to deliver. We want you to have a great time, enjoy the wine from the start to finish. 
Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. Hello folks, Michael Olson here, talking with Rena Mills, RV Service Center, way up at the top of Santa Cruz, 2525 Mission. Rena, it's been hot, bad news for RV roofs. What happens during the summer is all those sealants at the top of your roof start cracking up, and in the winter, when the rain comes, you've got nothing but leaks everywhere. Well, it rained. So what should people do now that the rainy season is coming? Stop by RV Service Center for a free roof inspection. We climb up and we check all the sealants, caulkings to make sure that they're still rubberized and flexible enough to keep your RV watertight. So Rena had a good friend who backed up under some trees and now he's got a little nick on his roof. What should he do? Bring it down to RV Service Center. We'll inspect it and you can actually claim that as an insurance claim and receive a new roof. When you have your insurance work completed at RV Service Center, we give you a gift certificate equal to the value of your deductible. Wow, that's like a free repair. RV Service Center, 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. Keep the water out, keep the fun in. Get connected with one of California's most exciting business communities every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. on the Think Local First radio program. Tune in as Kat Hernandez, Sally Kane, and Andrea Molinauer from The Food Lounge, Dick Scapatoni from Little Biz, Jill Salito from Modern Life and Home, and Michael Olson from KSCO host local business people for a conversation about doing business and staying in business in Santa Cruz County. We're sitting on a narrow spit of land sandwiched between the San Andreas Fault and Great White Sharks. Folks, it just doesn't get any more exciting than doing business in Santa Cruz County, so put down your distractions and join me, Michael Olson, as I host some of the most interesting business people you meet anywhere this Saturday 2 to 3 on Think Local First Radio. Think Local First Radio is brought to you in part by Staff of Life Natural Foods Market at 1266 Soquel Avenue in Santa Cruz. Think Local First and eat local first by shopping at Genuine Santa Cruz Tradition. The local Staff of Life Natural Foods Market. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is the Weekly Standards' Fred Barnes. And we've been talking about the issue of national security, uh, specifically the fact that the Republican and Democratic nominees for the presidency will have to address the need for increased ground troops in the Middle East. Now, one of the other issues Americans have at the top of their list is the economy, which includes more jobs and lower taxes. And both the Democrats and Republicans are are beating this drum pretty hard with Saunders offering the most aggressive programs. But on the other side of the aisle, all of the Republican candidates have pledged to abolish the IRS. So do you think the time has finally come for the next president to take tax reform seriously? Well, certainly uh, Ronald Reagan did, uh, and we had tax reform in 1986 that reduced the top rate on individual income to 28%, now much higher now after uh, the, uh, the first President Bush let it go up, and of course Obama's raised it, uh, rather Bill Clinton raised it, and it's even higher now under Obama. So we do need uh, uh, serious tax reform. Rebecca, you know, I guess I'm, uh, though I would love to see IRS uh, disbanded, I just don't believe it's ever going to happen. So what I would be for is tax reform that's been proposed by some a number of the Republican candidates uh, that would just uh, get rid of a, a number of the loopholes, uh, broaden the base, and lower the tax rates, particularly the ones, um, uh, the rates for individual income. I just think politically that's probably the best we can do, and it certainly helped a lot when it happened in 1986, which, of course, followed the Reagan tax cuts of 1981, and the difference between uh, uh, 4% economic growth and 2% economic growth is the creation of, of many millions more jobs and a much happier America. Well, certainly you recently uh, made the point that uh, Reagan pledged to make these across the board and very deep uh, tax cuts to mm-hmm. stimulate business expansion. And uh, even in spite of his own party's resistance, he stuck to that. He really did. And uh, and it wasn't no. easy. It was not easy. 
No, it was not easy because there was uh, some of the resistance to what Reagan wanted to do was among members of his own staff at the White House. Yes. So, remember David Stockman, his, his budget director. But, uh, you know, Reagan uh, had strong beliefs, and, and, and he stuck to them. And, uh, and Reagan was always willing to compromise if he thought he could get 80%. And so a 30% across-the-board tax cut became a 25% one that he actually got through Congress. And, and that was the kind of a, a compromise that Reagan was was ready to uh, go along with. Uh, but what we need is some president who feels as strongly about this and has the backbone uh, that Ronald Reagan has. We need to have four, much higher uh, growth, uh, economic growth than we have now. I mean, America is suffering under Obama, who doesn't want to, uh, Obama's problem is he only believes in government, and he doesn't want to rely on the private sector, on investors and people who want to be incentivized to work and save and invest. Uh, and that's the way the economy booms. There are more jobs. There's more prosperity. We can get over this wage stagnation, uh, but we can't do it if the uh, growth rate crawls along for year after year at 2%. Well, I talked to a lot of business leaders, and they seem to be in a almost holding pattern. They're fearful enough uh, about the slow growth of the economy that they're just not prepared to open jobs. No, I think that's true. And think of the money uh, overseas, the, billion, the trillions of dollars that... Uh, profits that companies have made, American companies have made overseas and paid taxes in the countries where they're operating, but they don't bring it back to the United States because they'll be, they'll face the uh, corporate tax rate of 35% over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's crazy. And, and Obama won't agree to lower the rate on, uh, to repatriate this trillions of dollars. So it's stuck overseas and it's not helping back here. Well, we've been talking about some of the, you know, the hot and controversial issues that the candidates are dealing with, immigration, ground troops in, in uh, the Middle East and so on. Um, it seems like the the idea of a simpler and more fair tax system would be a way to get a lot of crossover votes. I mean, I can't think of a single American that doesn't want to see the tax system uh, made simpler and more fair. Uh, why, why not go after that issue that's more of a unifying issue where you're more likely to get in Independence and some of the uh, voting voting demographics that uh, the Republicans aren't currently reaching the the women's vote, uh, the mm-hmm. y- young vote, um, the black and Hispanic vote. That's a great point, I, and I agree with you. What you need is a candidate who who just uh, who does more than just proposes uh, a very uh, good tax reform plan with reducing the rates across the board. But that person, that, that candidate, has to believe in it and talk about it a lot. See, that's what Reagan did. Reagan campaigned on uh, the, his sweeping uh, tax cuts and, uh, and then was vindicated, of course, when he, when he was elected in 1980. Candidates can have a tax plan, but if they don't uh, uh, talk about it a lot, if they don't seek a verdict from the electorate in favor of it, then it probably won't go anywhere. So we need somebody that really believes in it and recognizes that uh, – uh, this two percent growth is uh, is really harming America. It's just that uh, it did barely. It means that we barely replace uh, uh, the number of of jobs that are needed, uh, or, or to create new jobs for people newly entering the uh, job market. Um, but you know what? I don't see that candidate out there right at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, the only hope is is that maybe the candidates are using one issue to get the nomination and maybe they'll switch over. <laughs> switch over <laughs> to the tax issue. Although Reagan remained as you say uh, fairly consistent and uh, mm-hmm. that that's a fact that's demonstrable even early on in the primaries. Uh before we run out of time today, do you have a website where our listeners can go to read your editorials and stay current on your activities? Well, they sure can. It's just weekly stand- Standard.com, and uh, and you're welcome to go there. It's a great website. Has uh, 
you know, usually you get most of the articles that are in the magazine. They're uh, sort of put on the website, uh, the website over the week, and uh, and then many many separate pieces that are written just for the website. I write them myself. I wrote I wrote one after the uh, uh, primaries on Tuesday night, a separate one, and uh, so you'll see a lot <laughs> from me and others at the Weekly Standard that's in the magazine, but also that we write separately. So. It's a great website. I think uh, if you're interested in politics, if you're interested in in uh, foreign affairs, if you're interested in domestic policy, if you're interested in the culture in America, uh, then you're going to like the Weekly Standard, and you'll like our website. Well, you make a good point. Com. I have to go every other. I have to go check the website every other day because there's always <laughs> new content on there, and I I don't want to miss uh, any of it. So it's a a very very uh, prolific website, and I want to encourage our listeners to. To, uh, go to the Weekly Standard and check it regularly for uh, articles that will not appear in the magazine. I'm afraid we're out of time today, but before we say goodbye, I want to take a moment to thank you for your insights today, and I hope you'll come back soon. Thank you, Mr. Well, Barnes. Well, thanks for inviting me. Great show. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Fred Barnes, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're all over the Internet. We love to hear from you. And if you miss the full interview with Mr. Barnes or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel, and also our website, RebeccaCosta.com. And while you're at our website, take a moment to check, check out our new blog feature. We post a new blog right after our interview with our guest each week. And, and that's where we give you additional food for thought and new facts and links to other articles. So take a moment. Be sure to grab the weekly blog. It's guaranteed to make you feel smarter, more informed, and help you win every heated discussion <laughs> because we arm you with lots of facts instead of opinions. And speaking of facts, there is only one book recommended by both Donald Trump and also the greatest naturalist in the world, Edward O. Wilson, and that is The Watchman's Rat. It's one of the few things that the far left and the far right agree on. And if you don't think that's a victory, well, think again. <laughs> the second thing they agree on is the Costa Report is a news program worth supporting. We remain 100% self-funded and independent. And I don't need to tell you how hard that is in the age of big media conglomerates. So if you have not done so yet, please do your part and go to RebeccaCosta.com and order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Next week, we take a break from election coverage to check in with with world-renowned technology pioneer Philippe Kahn, who, as many of you know, invented the camera phone. Well, he is at it again. We're going to find out how he is about ready to change the way we all sleep. Don't miss technology visionary Philippe Kahn next week, right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management Thank you.